Dr. Melvin, I'm an introvert. Hmm. McCall, I'm an extrovert. Hmm. I think this conversation is going to be interesting. It is. Hmm. So this is McCall Jones again from the Institute for Adult Communication. Talking, talking, speaking with Dr. Melvin Lloyd Allen. Welcome back to the microphone. Love it. Love it. This topic is just one of my most favorite. This is this. This has a lot of juice for me. So funny enough, what is this topic? Ha ha ha. Well, as you heard, I'm an introvert and Dr. Melvin's an extrovert. And why do we even have those two distinctions is why we're here today, because it's a fascinating journey and it may change the way you see yourself or reinforce the way you see yourself and has the chance to change how you perceive someone else or it reinforces the way you, you, that, that, that you see someone else. So, so that's one of the reasons, or at least a few of the reasons why I'm so darn excited about uh, today's topic. So Myers-Briggs, I'm pretty sure everyone's heard about it, but you have a little bit more expertise than everyone. So set us up for this, would you? Okay, so first of all, <clears throat> Myers-Briggs... Uh, is a personality assessment tool. Uh, it is used in corporate America and also used in the military. Someone said that uh, all the generals have taken Myers-Briggs. The last four presidents have taken Myers-Briggs and know their type. And the reason for that is because there are basically 16 personality types. To understand your own type provides you clarity. That's your first goal. The second goal is to be able to understand other types and realize there are 16 types and every type is different. I use the example that everybody in the world has a unique fingerprint. All the people who've died prior to today had a unique fingerprint and all the people born today will also have a unique fingerprint. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, I see type, your personality type is also the same way. But you have to get into it at a much deeper level to really uncover the depth of possibility that Myers-Briggs brings to the table, especially in the area of relationships. People typically use Myers-Briggs in corporate America so that teams and team building and conflict resolution to be able to have all these different personalities come together as a team and work together. Someone's better at detail, someone's better at the big picture. All of this is necessary in order for the team to be successful. So people who have expertise in Myers-Briggs actually work with the people to be able to have them realize that they have to work together and their strengths and weaknesses in each profile and the team works better and become more efficient. But typically the practitioners, the people who actually teach Myers-Briggs or the people who study Myers-Briggs don't use it in relationships. Interesting. And I find that, you know, if you have a team of two people, I consider that a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I took it to a level of like, oh, what about relationships? Then I got a little deeper involved and realized there's a way to be able to identify unconscious blind spots. Mm. And before we do get too far down the road, what is your background in, in, in the Myers-Briggs um, practice? Okay. I am a master certified Myers-Briggs practitioner. And the only way to become a professional Myers-Briggs practitioner, a master practitioner, and precisely, is to have met all of the training 
and the experience criteria set forth by the publishers of Myers-Briggs. That is a very daunting task. Other than the PhD, this has probably been one of the most difficult things I ever had to learn and master. Hmm. To give you an example of Myers-Briggs, there are like 228, uh, roughly 228 master, uh, master practitioners in Canada, United States, and Mexico. That's not a lot. As in combined. So in, within, across three countries, there's 228 master certifi- certified, master certified practitioners. Exactly. Wow. In the state of California, they're 28. Wow. I'm one of them. Hmm. And of the ones that are listed on the Myers-Briggs website, four have PhDs. And everyone on the website that's in California specializes in corporate type jobs, functions, or, uh, uh, you know, resources. Because one, that's where the money is. Mm Mm-hmm. And two, that's what it was really basically designed for. So I've looked at that and said, oh, let's take it and use it for types. I mean, use it for uh, personalities and also for relationships. So it wasn't just a flat psychological assessment of a given person. It was actually developed specifically with commercial use in mind? Well, you know, Myers-Briggs, when Carl Jung developed his typology in, in 1923, and um, Briggs, Catherine Briggs, looked at this and said, you know, well, let me see how we can use this to be able to make the world a better place. So in World mm-hmm. War II, mm-hmm. during World War II, she thought that if people could understand each other, there wouldn't be any more conflict. So she did it on that global perspective of having people understand each other mm-hmm. and came up with it. And then later, Isabel Briggs developed the assessment tool that we currently use, mm-hmm. or these master practitioners, I think, currently use, so that we could actually have a tool to be able to assess people's personalities to have them get some insight into who they are and why we deem you an extrovert and deem deem me an extrovert and you an introvert and what does that really mean? Hmm. So there's another fact that you might want to consider. Myers-Briggs is used by most of the Fortune 100 companies, not 500, 100 companies. Mm -hmm. It's the most widely used personality assessment in the world. Each year, over 2 million people take it. It's translated into over two dozen languages and is used in 70 countries. That's pretty impressive. It's huge. So looking at that and going like, well, what would it be like to be able to use it in relationships? And then as I get further and further into the work, I realized that, oh, my background is depth psychology, which is the unconscious. And so I'm going like, okay, well, Myers-Briggs, what is the unconscious part of the Myers-Briggs instrument? It's what you don't know that you don't know about your personality, which we call the inferior function. Now, to get to that, we have to go through an analysis of extrovert versus introvert and do a lot of different things. But for the purpose of this conversation, let's just address the difference between McCall and Melvin. Mm. You're the introvert. I'm the extrovert. So let's say that an introvert is a person that really receives their energy from within. That's the person who goes home and recharges their battery after a full day. That's the person who doesn't want to be in traffic and wish all these other people would just disappear so that they could go where they wanted to go anytime, day or night, and not have to deal with all of these interruptions. That's the kind of person that their home is their sanctuary. 
They love being at home and they usually fix it in such a way that it's got all the things they need, might have all the comfort foods, might have the right size television in the right location in their bedroom or living room. And they typically are not the kind of person where you just go over their house and ring the doorbell and say, hey, I was just in the neighborhood. No, you don't do that with introverts. (laughs) That doesn't work well. How am I doing? You're doing great. (laughs) Okay. So introverts get their energy from doing that. So they go out in the world and they function like everybody else. But when they get to that limit, that point where it's like, okay, I've had enough, they're going to retreat and go home, Mm -hmm. recharge their batteries. So they get their energy from recharge. Whereas the extroverts like me, you know, we open places and we also close places. We can go to a party and then go to another party and go to another party and then go you know, let's find a place that's open all night and go have breakfast. Mm-hmm. And we'll get home when we get home, but we go home only when we're so tired we can't do anything else. So it's you people I see driving when I drive by Denny's at 4 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Absolutely. I see. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the energy of an extrovert, those are the people that are very engaged at parties. Mm-hmm. You usually hear them because they're louder. Mm-hmm. And you, you really get to a point where you see like, oh, that's an extrovert. They're the ones that would grab the mic and stand on stage and sing. The introvert is in the back corner, close to the door, if they even in the room, mm-hmm. and going like, I don't believe he just got up on the stage and sang. And what's interesting is that the introvert has, is the person who's most likely written the song. Ah, totally. So, and engineered the room. Absolutely. So let's go and get into, you know, there's something called the uh, Myers-Briggs Step 2 instrument, which gets into a tremendous amount of detail about one's personality, and it is 17 pages long. Most people who are in corporate America may remember, oh, I'm an ENFP, but they couldn't tell you any more than that. Mm. And most people are just basically trying to get an overview of their personality, but not an in-depth analysis. So the 17-page assessment goes into depth and one of the things it goes into is like okay i'm an extrovert you're an introvert but what does that actually mean and what are the components that make up an extrovert and an introvert because you know you might not be able to see what we're looking at but if you could put a chart on the wall and say i'm an introvert and extrovert how much of an introvert are you mccall and how much of an extrovert am i and i'm like from zero to the hundred Am I 100% extrovert or am I 10% extrovert? Because if I'm only 10% extrovert, that means that I also probably have some introverted qualities also because I'm not clearly a full-blown-out extrovert. And there's no one that's a complete introvert or extrovert. We go back and forth and we shift. So there's some times that an extrovert is going to be introverted and there's some times that the introvert's going to be extroverted. So it's not fixed like I am an extrovert. And mm-hmm. at times it shifts. So this long... 17 page instrument explains that so for example you tell me mccall an introvert one of the characteristics on this 17 page report for just introvert is receiving Mm -hmm. meaning that you'd rather be someone who is introduced to other people versus you being the person at the door that greets everyone and tells everyone hi this is so and so and let me introduce you to all these different people you would rather be in the background so if it's going to come to you you would allow it to come to you so when you were saying about writing and thinking introverts are very private people and they are the ones who will think first and then act Mm -hmm. extroverts typically act and then think Right. So you can imagine how in a, in a relationship you're with someone who acts first and then thinks about it. And you're going like, didn't you think about that? Well, what's interesting about that is, is that people I know will, will actually acknowledge that they will act before they think, but they just keep doing it. 
And to an introvert, such as myself, I go, well, can't you just sort of plan that in advance? Clueless. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. So it's been interesting to me how many people are aware that their behaviors can be at least somewhat detrimental to them, even though they're compelled to, to continue doing them. That's rather analytical, but I'm, you know, I, know, I hear I what you're saying. You know, no, that's part <laughs> of your personality trait. But, you know, but I'm saying that, you know, that there's somewhere on that scale that you're either a full-blown extrovert where you all the way off the chain. Mm -hmm. And there's some people who are in the mid zone where you can go back and forth. And mm -hmm. then there's other end of the scale where you're an introvert and, you know, you don't have enough courage or not only say courage, but you don't I, have the, the you know, you're not that extroverted person that would, yeah. you know, be the one that steps up to the front of the line and go like, I'm first. You would rather wait. It depends on the context because I, I, I agree with you and I think it's an important thing for extroverts to really get that it's not a, a confidence or courage issue. Uh, it's an issue of do I need to do this? I mean, there's usually a larger strategic or purpose-driven necessity as to whether or not I'm going to step up or not. But that's an example of you thinking first Correct. before acting. Absolutely. Where the extrovert would just... I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak up and then figure out what they're going to say as, as they go. I was uh, actually at an event last evening. You mentioned the, the dynamic of the preference of someone being introduced to me versus me, me hosting. Uh, I was a guest, uh, and the person that had invited me uh, is well aware of what I study and, and what I do and my speaking and all this. And as she introduced me to her colleagues and, and other participants, um, I completely, I was completely comfortable with that as as a way to be literally integrated into this group. But see, here, here, oh, this is fabulous. See, my experience with introverts, if they're sitting in the corner by themselves, I used to go and rescue them, I thought, by saying, <laughs> oh, you're in the corner, so obviously you don't know anyone, so let me introduce you to all these people, and let me dance with you and talk to you, because I know you're lonely, and you really want to be out here with all of us extroverts. Nope. Thank you. I didn't know the difference. So the introvert is over there in the corner, because that's where they want to be, mm -hmm. and it's like, if they're alone, they want to be alone. Right. I thought that I had to go rescue all, and that's, and see, the conflict comes in is that I got this story that extroverts are wrong. Extroverts need help. Mm -hmm. There's something weird about quiet people. Mm -hmm. They must be thinking something. I know they're thinking something, but mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. So it's like, can I trust them? They're like mysterious. And, mm -hmm. and you're like, ooh, 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 versus want, no, I, this is my preference. I want, choose to be this way. You want to know what we're thinking? Come on. I'm counting the number of exits in, from the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many emergency exits, how many main exits. Mm -hmm. I'm estimating how many people are in the room and how long it's going to take to get everybody out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm estimating who's going to need help getting out of the room in mm -hmm. a crisis. Um, and when I've explained that to people, and, and specifically women, uh, they're actually tremendously relieved because they know that they're not thinking about that. They're there to typically socialize. They're there to engage the people that are there. Um, and uh, for example, uh, the talk went on for about an hour and a half last night. And basically, everything the person covered, um, I was already familiar with. Okay. Um, and then it was that literally that last 1% of the conversation, which is why I had come to the event in the first place. But in most cases, uh, I, I find myself, I will assess all, all that's going on within the first few minutes mm -hmm. of being someplace, and I'm done. Yeah, safety. Yeah, safety and certainty. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm done. And then... People say, well, 
but you can look forward to the socializing. And I'm really clear now, and especially now that I actually, I've taken the 17-page um, Myers-Briggs assessment. Um, it has powerfully reinforced a lot of things that were sort of these vague things in the background of my awareness. But now that I'm crystal clear on, uh, and one of the things I like about the assessment is that it's highly objective. Don't, that, that. Home run. Right. See, that's the problem. Most people will give you their personal opinions mm-hmm. or you'll make something up. Mm-hmm. But when you take this assessment, it's like you took the questions, mm-hmm. took the 264 questions, mm-hmm. you hear your answers, put together in a way that you can actually look at like, oh, this is who you are. This mm-hmm. is not anyone's personal opinion. Right. You drive the answers. Mm-hmm. And based on that, you have to kind of go like, oh. Yep. Yeah, and and for, me, and for me, it was comforting. I can imagine how it would be disconcerting for people if they actually learn that they're a way that they really don't want to be that way. But as far as me, it, it clarified so tremendously. So now uh, when someone says to me, oh, uh, you can look forward to the socializing, and I can say with ease, no, I can't. I'm not looking forward to the socializing. Uh, my wife is an introvert like you, and... When, you know, I'm going to a party or thinking that she wants to go and she says, no, I don't want to go. I now understand Mm -hmm. that if she does go, I have to set parameters up and I'll ask questions because I know that she would be very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with a lot of people and staying there forever. I'm asking her, like, how long do you want to go for? Mm -hmm. And she'll say, I'm good for about an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. And then when it gets to be like an hour, I check in and say, are you okay?" And she says, well. I really could leave now. And I say, well, what about 15 more minutes? Okay, great. Then we leave. As compared to what? I I bring you to my friend's party. (laughs) They haven't met you before. There are 50 people that you have to meet before you leave here. And we can't leave until we meet everyone. And my focus is on what I needed versus what she needed. But after I found out she was an extrovert, introvert, Mm -hmm. then I realized, oh, this really doesn't work for her. So we're able to like talk about this and the knowledge of who I am, like you said before, first understand who you are. Mm -hmm. Now that gives you a lot of freedom for you realizing like, you know what? I'm really not interested in meeting all 50 of your friends. Mm -hmm. Which ones are really most important? Because you only got an hour. Right. Oh, that puts it in a different context. So now I'll go find out, find the ones that I think are really important that she absolutely has to meet. And where what I thought was that everybody at the party was important. No, five people, let me find them, introduce her to her, them, and then let her leave, or let we both leave an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It has gotten so good that we now realize that if I really want to stay at the party, we have to take two cars. Mm-hmm. And if she feels comfortable... She's going to leave and come back home. And she says, I'll meet you back home and I'll stay there and close the party and maybe even go out with more people. Right. And when I get back home, she's OK with it. Why? Because she got a chance to do what she wanted to do, honor herself with authenticity and integrity mm-hmm. as compared to turn herself into a pretzel trying to accommodate me right. and be miserable at the same time. And look at the volume and level of freedom that that equation, that knowing each other's personality enables both people to enjoy. I'm going to be there longer than two hours. Oh, great. We, we, we bring two cars. That's a solution. That's 50 fights or 100 fights that you didn't get to, that, that you were able to avoid and prevent by simply knowing what's up for the other person. And notice uh, you also noted that, 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 that there was this very clear understanding of, well, I think I, I can, I, not I think, but I can last at this party for about an hour and a half. That's very precise. That's how we think about it. And then you spoke about the guests of, okay, since we don't have that much time, you had to prioritize. Part of the thing that we do as introverts, and certainly what I do, and it sounds like what your wife does, is 
we, we're prioritizing all the time because we know that our energy level is a finite thing. We know that we can only go so far before we're completely wiped out. So in that context, we're always thinking about, okay, how can I maximize the energy that I do have? What can I do now while I have most energy? What do I, what can I save for later when I don't have as much energy? Um, and then, oh my goodness, that 90 minutes is up. It's time to leave the party. That's not, a, and I really get now that an extrovert may hear that as an arbitrary statement. An hour and a half? Okay, great. That means we got three hours. Or an hour and a half? Oh, great. We have, we have two and a half hours. Awesome. So I really get that for the introvert, that hour and a half is a precise measure. And I'm really beginning to get that maybe for an extrovert, that's this gross approximation. Is that? Is that yes. Is, yes. <laughs> because, you know, we wouldn't look at it as an hour and a half. We look like we're out for the night, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, boy. Oh, you know, oh, and, you know, oh and, boy. You know, and it's like, that's just some suggested mm-hmm. number, mm-hmm. hour and a half, but that's not real, you yeah. know? And, and she's going to have so much fun that she's going to be here all night with me. Wrong. That's not the case. And so I've learned to respect what she says, and I take it as the truth mm-hmm. based on what she says, mm-hmm. not what I interpret. Beautiful. Well, before, I used to interpret that that really didn't mean that. I mean, look at all these great people, you know, great food, great drinks, people, music is great, people are dancing, interesting personalities. Oh, this is so much fun. How could you possibly eat one piece of popcorn or go to an amusement park and ride the roller coaster and then walk out of the park? Right. You know, like, no, this is a, you know, this is an event. Well, here's, here's another illustration of what goes on for me as an introvert when I say to you, I have to leave the party in an hour and a half. And you say, okay, well, first of all, I've got an agreement from you that we're leaving in an hour and a half. Yes. So now the basically the I, I I now in my body have this sensation of this ninety minute countdown. Yes. That's precise. Right? So while you're doing your party thing, all I can hear, no matter how loud it is, I guess the analogy would be it although it's a physical sensation, the analogy would be that I would I could literally hear every second on my watch tick away. I got thirty minutes left. I got fifteen minutes left. I got, is he coming back? Because an hour and a half is coming close. Is he coming back? Is he coming? Okay, where is he? Okay, we should be leaving now. So now if I come back in two hours, okay, now there's a problem. Because I said an hour and a half. You said an hour and a half. I agreed. We had a contract. And now I'm coming back in two hours. So I'm going like, now I have an attitude. Because now you're forcing me. I was comfortable because I knew there was going to be an escape hatch. Mm -hmm. An hour and a half. Exactly. Now you... You relocked the hatch yep. and said, no, you're going to have to stay here and endure this for another 30 minutes because I have deemed that I didn't want to even come check on you. Why? Right. Because you may say, I'm ready to go. And I'm sending you the furious emoji. Yeah, yeah. The one with the red face and the, and the steam coming out of the ears. Yeah. You're texting me and I'm not responding. Oh, the phone was in my uh, jacket pocket and I took the jacket off to go to the bathroom and I forgot to put the jacket, all of this stuff mm-hmm. versus I'm out of integrity. Right. Beautiful. So, the, all right. So that's so. For example, that's me as introvert and you as ec- extrovert, and that's two dudes having the conversation because it certainly won't become as messy if it becomes about a relationship. So, what does this begin to look like for people who I don't know which one you want to cover first? If is it for people who are aware of it versus people who aren't aware of it? If this dynamic of introvert versus extrovert is present versus the dynamic of introvert and extrovert okay so let's do it this way first of all the first level of myers-briggs in the eight facets the extrovert the introvert it's the direction of and the source of energy Hmm. so 
Extroverts get their energy from the outer world. Introverts get their energy from the inner world. And it doesn't really make any difference if you're a man or woman, your personality type. As an extrovert, you get your energy from the outer world. An introvert gets their energy from the inner world. An extrovert is a person who relates easily to other people. An extrovert is a person who's very active, a person that, you know, likes to do things, go out and do all kinds of different things with different people because that's their self-expression. They like a breadth of interest. Now, on the introverted side, whereas the extrovert, you know, relates easily to people, introverts, you got to have the right to know. We're not just going to tell you, I went to this school, I live in this neighborhood, I got, I've been married three times, you know, I've got four degrees and, you know, and, and I got a son. The introverts don't do that. So if you are in a relationship with someone and you're talking about your personal business, an introvert's going to be a little upset, upset because mm-hmm. an introvert's not going to tell you all that because they don't feel you've earned the right to know. Or there's no context for it because I, I really get, I mean, I really get now how many conversations I have with people, something will happen. They go, oh my goodness, I never knew that about you. Yes. And, and people I've known for decades. Yes. Oh my God, I've never known that about you. And I really get now how significant that is because, and, and now as you're saying it, I'm recalling not just a few of these conversations, but stacks and stacks of these conversations because it has usually boiled down for me on one level of there's never been a context for me to talk about that, uh-huh. you know, because it's not sitting in the, in, in, my, in the back of my head going, I have to tell this person this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. I will speak about what I need to speak about when, there's a, when, when I perceive anyway that there's a space for it. So therefore, a lot of stuff doesn't come up. Right. Because, you, you know, you, you think you're reflective, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and we're interactive. Mm-hmm. So if you're reflective and you're sitting back reflecting on something and going, hmm, yeah. this is interesting. That's not the same thing as interactive where you're engaging and going mm-hmm. back and forth because you're reflecting on it. Mm-hmm. And that's a characteristic of an introvert. So yeah. where you run into problems with a you know, relationship is that you're thinking about something and I'm actually doing something. And what I'm doing might not encompass my thoughts of what I'm thinking about. So in relationships, you probably want to go to an introvert and say, what are you thinking? Because the introverts probably thought about it 10 times more than the extrovert and probably has great ideas, being very reflective. And so if you ask the question, what do you think? Or ask for input, they probably have great ideas because an extrovert typically is not going to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. So the compliment is to be able to realize that the introvert is a resource and use that resource and really being able to see, like, how do I want to move and what do I want to do? Do I want to tell somebody? Another thing you might want to do is have some type of rule Mm -hmm. or some guidelines about, okay, full disclosure does not mean you tell them how many times I've been pregnant or you know or right. how many times i've had surgery right or you know, my, my family business mm-hmm. we, we're not going into my family business where i grew up and you know and issues i have with my mother and father now if you were going to do that you do that on your own for yourself but mm-hmm. don't include me right because i know that that's personal and that's not something to make you happy extroverts don't know that but if you can define the rules and set boundaries then the two of you probably will work better as compared to argue and fight over like, why did you say that? Or why did you introduce me? Or why did you put me on, embarrass me in front of 25 people by saying, oh, yeah, she, you know, she can't drink. If she has another drink, she's going to be, dr- okay, I'm ready to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need to be able to understand who you are individually before you even try to attempt to understand someone yeah. else. And then when you start to understand someone else, then you start to understand like, oh, here's some boundaries. I don't do this. 
and I need to probably ask questions and ask that my partner questions to get more information because they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you start to design a relationship that works for both of you. Mm-hmm. The same way you were doing corporate America with the group, how do we design a relationship that works for both of us knowing that we have two different personalities, we have likes and dislikes, and we function differently? Mm-hmm. And how we see the world is differently. Is it, would it be fair to say that it's the introvert that says, hey, let's talk about the relationship? Because I've always perceived that to be a masculine slash feminine thing, meaning the feminine, because it's always, I've never initiated that conversation, ever. And is it possible that the, that the dynamic that's actually driving that is the extrovert wanting to ask those questions and wanting to engage versus my internal reluctance and really loathing of that conversation of saying... A, this conversation is not going to produce anything that either of us are going to see as valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it never has produced, in my experience, anything that that was a value. A value To me, and objectively, it didn't seem like it ever produced any value for the relationship. Mm-hmm. So is there is there a, an introvert-extrovert dynamic going on in that conversation, or is that just a... Well, typically, uh, the feminine energy is introverted. Mm. The ext- uh, extrovert energy is usually masculine. Mm. Then just think about the concept of masculine go get it do it it. a type personality extroverted Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas the introvert is reflective you know maybe thinking about the kids thinking about the house Mm -hmm. thinking about how everything is going to work and safety and security Mm -hmm. uh those feminine qualities and i'm not saying like you know everybody's this way or that way but i'm saying in general that is a way of being able to explain the difference between the from a male masculine feminine point of view or why it may Turn out that way. Well, let me dig into this one because that, that's an interesting uh, uh, way to start it. Let's let, let's dive into that. So, if I sit back and I'm thinking about something and I'm not really saying anything, what I'm normally doing is strategizing about how I'm going to go get it. So that's why I'm I'm, I'm sort of saying, okay, is that you know, uh, I'm trying to identify the active from what seems to be a passive version. So maybe you know, think about. If if you're the hunter, you know, because everybody gets that, you know, hunter. Mm-hmm. And the hunter-gatherer. Gatherer-type concept. Introverts would, you know, have a very, you know, uh, 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 small, you know, she would probably have a very small circle of women that, you know, she talks to mm-hmm. as an introvert. And she'd be talking about things that are more important, you know, things mm-hmm. that are private. And you're like, you know, yeah, what about, mm-hmm. and this happened, and, oh, really? And so forth and so on. And I just need somebody to talk to and blah, 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 and reflect on different things. I want to understand and da, da, da. And maybe even in a very <laughs> quiet, serene type setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the guys are out there with the guns and the bows in the area yelling and trying to chase the deer through the forest. And then when they get through, it's like, hey, look what we did. We on a drink and we're going to celebrate. Look, the I, conquered, fire of the, I conquered the mountain and I did all this and then put the flag on, you know. Men have a tendency to do that. Women have mm-hmm. a tendency to reflect. And reflecting on the family, like you said, how many exits are there in the room? Mm-hmm. How much, you know, you know, like, are the kids going to be able to eat? You know, uh, what are they learning? Uh, uh, you know, how are they going to grow up? And, you know, and how can I impact them? And they shouldn't be eating this kind of food. They should be eating that kind of food. Mm-hmm. And the guy may be going like, ah, it's food, eat it. You know, interesting. So that's that's so that realization right there is kind of world changing for me because I always looked at that that checking the exits exits as a masculine instinct to protect. And now what you're describing is that that's actually more of a feminine instinct that's actually working at you know at work there. But does that make sense that you know the the feminine protecting from a point of I'm I'm protecting my children, Mm -hmm. I'm protecting the family, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all of this because this stuff is important because if Mm -hmm. something did happen, right. 
I want to be prepared to know what to do with my kids. Correct. Safety and security. Absolutely. The men, oh, we're going to break the door down. We're going to run through it. We're going to, you know, we, we'll, 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 we'll work it out, you know. Oh, fire. Now we react mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus thinking about it before even the possibility of a fire. Got it. Okay. And in my sort of previous awareness, I would say that's just an, an extroverted masculine to kick the door in without necessarily thinking because I may kick the door in, but I'm going to think about what kind of door it is. How much force am I going to need to kick the door? But so that may seem like I'm taking longer to think about it. But then I'm going to I'm going to go for it. So actually, interesting. So so this continues to get deeper. Oh, absolutely. Wow. So but the, see, the unconscious things we do, like looking at the doors, you didn't have any idea that when you're saying I'm looking at how many doors there are and how to get out and what's the thickness of the door and blah 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 blah. You, so you might be the person that gets on the plane and looks at for the exits. Absolutely. I count I, the number of rows between the exits. I count where they are, left, right, over wing. Where am I in the plane? Yeah. How many people do I have to pull out of the plane? Yeah. 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 You see, extroverts typically don't do that. They're just going for the ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. We'll be there in two and a half hours. Yep. Not thinking like, uh, I'm four rows from the exit in the front, and I'm two rows from the back. So even though it's behind me, like they say on the plane, I'm going backwards because I can get there a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And if the plane hit the water, I can swim. Then. And if this, I'm thinking all that. But the introvert is the thinker. The extrovert is the doer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you know, and extroverts, again, uh, they have a breadth of interest. So we'll think about a lot of different things. It's like, you know, a lot of topics, but we don't master anything the same way the mm. introvert would actually have mastery. Mm-hmm. So typically for the for the introvert, you, you, you know, you, you read books. Extrovert talks like actually reads the books. Right. You know, the introvert <laughs> is going like I have all these books. I have all these tapes. I have all of these recordings so that I can be very comfortable at home. Mm hmm. And the thing about the feminine being at home, taking mm-hmm. care of the house, and the extrovert is the one who's outside the house, only comes home when they're tired. So the hunter goes out all day, hunts, and when he comes home, he's tired. Why? He's been out hunting, hunting all, day. all day. It's exhausting. Have you been on the 405 lately? I mean, it's... Yeah. So, you know, that, that, that's, you know, discrepancy. So some other characteristics. Uh, introvert is contained, like we said, very private. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're private, and the opposite of that is expressive. So one is expressive and one's contained. So mm-hmm. you can see how that can work in a relationship. In most Ooh. relationships, the, 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 the area of conflict, this one, extrovert versus introvert, is the number one. Now, you know, there's some others, but this one seems to be like we're from, coming from two different planets. Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, the expressive person will look at me and say, you know what, you're not in touch with your feelings and you don't care about me. And I'm saying, well... No, I care deeply, and I'm just making sure that you're going to be okay. And that's the very real uh, conflicts, or one of the very real conflicts that I've had actively in relationships. Mm-hmm. And without this awareness previously, um, I had no way of bridging that gap. I had no way of, of influencing the other person to really get that I do care. Yeah, to really get but, but that. See, but if you're an introvert, and you're not very expressive, and you're contained, and you're a thinker, how would someone know that unless you told them that or exhibited that? And that's not what you exhibit because that's not your preference. Right. So one of the tests we give people when they take Myers-Briggs is that we, you know, take a piece of paper out. Okay. Left-handed, right-handed. Left-handed. Okay. Write your name and your phone number. Cursive. Don't print it. Mm. Okay. And after you finish that, now do it with your opposite hand. And see what that's like. 
typically people come back and go, it was very uncomfortable. It was stressful. It's not as neat. Uh, I really don't like it. It's like, oh, it's horrible. Just, I, I, like I, I failed the test, that type of feeling. The truth is, is that you can, if you write with your left hand, you have proficiency. You have a preference for writing with your left hand. It does not mean you can't write with your right hand. It just means that you don't have as much proficiency. So you always go to the hand that you feel most comfortable. Myers-Briggs is like that. You use whatever your preference is. So if I have a preference for extroversion, I will use that more than I will use introversion. Mm -hmm. So if I know that I also can develop my introversion, then a learning opportunity for me is to sometimes be still, Mm -hmm. think, be reflective, Mm -hmm. and be very comfortable being by myself just to see what that's like. For an extrovert, that'd be like, you know, washing your face with sandpaper. Oh, boy. But for an introvert, that'd be like, that's very comfortable. Mm -hmm. But being able to do both is mastery. And so my whole goal and purpose is to be able to show people that even though you have a preference for one or the other, like I said, there are eight of these facets, Mm -hmm. you also need to be able to realize, okay, I have a preference for being an extrovert, but that does not mean that I can't use some of the, you know, use uh, or exhibit or develop qualities of an introvert because we have them anyway. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's nice to be able to sit down and just reflect Mm -hmm. before you just start doing things. And sometimes it's, you know, it's comfortable to be quiet. Right. It's interesting. In, 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 In my coaching practice, one of the things that we discuss is narratives, stories that we tell ourselves, stories that we rely on to navigate the world, our lives and our relationships. And until that conversation happens, people believe that what they say and what they do is them. So it's like, I'm a happy person, or I'm a sad person, or I'm this or that. And until we actually begin to talk about narratives, in other words, everything we do is the result of a learned narrative as it relates to things that are not instinctual. Mm-hmm. And... Once people understand that if they're not skilled, say, at negotiating, their narrative is that they're not skilled at negotiating. Mm -hmm. So the analogy that I give is, you know, how many airline pilots were born knowing how to fly a plane? Mm. And, of course, the answer is zero. I said, so what's the difference between somebody who can't fly a plane and somebody who does know how to fly a plane? And the difference is they've acquired the narrative of flying an airplane. So they understand drag and lift, and roll, and pitch, and yaw, and the list goes on. And that's the first step, and then they get the skill of actually flying the plane. But if you took all that away, if you took away the, specifically the narrative, they wouldn't be able to approach the plane. They wouldn't know what, uh, what a joystick was. They wouldn't know what the radio was. They wouldn't know what, it, what, what, what the, 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 the compass is all about. So anyway, I set this up to ask a really long setup of a question that... What percentage of people's challenges in life disappear once they understand who they are and then who other people are and then how they are in relation to other personality types? Consider the fact that um, this is an ongoing, like most things, ongoing journey of learning. Mm -hmm. And the more you are aware and the more you practice it, the more proficient you become. Mm -hmm. So... Does it change your life? It changed my life dramatically. When I was finishing my PhD, and it took me eight years to finish it, I became an introvert as compared to the extrovert. Well, I was just going to say, because you just said it as if, you said it the way an introvert would say it. 
You said it the way I might say it. Yeah, I, I had to <laughs> go within. I had to be quiet. Yep. I had to be focused. Mm-hmm. And I literally had to cut myself off of the majority of people that I knew, wow. that I socialized with, because I knew that was not going to produce the result I desired. So what you might want to achieve is that when the opportunity comes up and you have a choice between extrovert and introvert, you consciously, once you become aware, decide this is a time for me to practice introversion. Be quiet, be still, be focused, be you know private, understand it, and then do it. I need concentration. If that's what's going to help you with this particular task, that's what you probably want to do. Whereas if you're going to go out for a party or going skydiving or anything that requires an extroverted personality or an opportunity to speak in front of a group, then you go, okay, this is an extrovert. I need to be alive. I need to be active. I need to be sociable. I need to be expressive. And I need to be energetic. When Donald Trump talked about dead Trump has low energy, Obviously, you can see Donald Trump with a lot of energy and being a big extrovert. So if you're quiet and you compare yourself next to an extrovert, you would occur like a person with low energy. Mm -hmm. So if you're with a woman and you want to impress her and you have all of this energy, she might be impressed because the opposites attract each other. Mm -hmm. So an introverted woman would look at an extroverted man as like my wife does. She says, you're outgoing, you, you, you know, things that you do, I would never do. And things that you talk about, I would never talk about in public. And so I really admire that because that's not what I do. And that's not what I'm comfortable doing, her preference again. So by having someone who's opposite of you and realizing that there's certain things that they do that you don't do naturally, it's like, you, you know, there are no blind spots because what you do, I don't do. And what you do, I don't do. So with, between the two of us, we got it covered. But that's working together and being conscious of it. So it is an opportunity-driven decision to be able to say, I'm both. I can write with my left hand and my right hand. Hmm. If I write with my opposite hand for an hour a day, for a year, I would be so proficient that I would not ever have a conversation. I can't write well with my left hand or mm-hmm. right hand. Mm-hmm. I'd be proficient at it. Got so it. it's like the learning pos- the process of learning something that you're uncomfortable with is growth and expansion. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Wow. And I, and, I, and I get just listening to that, that there is the possibility for me that when I have an opportunity to be the extrovert, I can accept, because what it literally feels like the energy is being sucked out of my heart if I yeah. have to go into in, extrovert mode. Right. And, I mean, of course I survive and I live, but I feel awful the entire time. So what you're suggesting is that I basically, em, that I embrace that those moments where I really need to be an extrovert and just go for it and just accept that I'm going to have to take a really big nap yeah. afterwards. Exactly. See, that's yeah. consciousness. I got to get up for it and do everything I have to do. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Because I would give talks, uh, whether it be for, let's say the talk was a day. Um, I would need to go away for two days and just not deal with anybody because I've had so much interaction in such a short period of time that I literally need to be away before I can literally feel my body stop vibrating and it takes two days to get back to that sort of quiet That's the consciousness I'm talking about. Once you realize what your preference is, you build into the plan. Hmm. I'm going to go speak for one day and I'm going to be like 
in Bao Bao, Boo 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 Boo, for two days, two days. on the island mm-hmm. and in Hawaii because mm-hmm. it's going to take me two days to do that. Mm-hmm. So if my wife is flying and when she comes home, I know it's going to be a day and a half hmm. before she recuperates to get to a point where she feels comfortable enough to come out and play. Mm-hmm. So she needs that recharge time. Mm-hmm. So if you know that and your partner knows that, they will grant you the space, give you the time, give you the opportunity to recharge so that they're not you know, trying to pull you, trying to start the car with a weak battery mm-hmm. or battery is dead. Mm-hmm. You know, you charge the battery up, then we start the car. Yep. So you charge your battery up, we start the car, but I know it's going to take 20 minutes or 24 hours to charge the battery. So if you know that you got to put out a lot of energy, mm-hmm. then you also should know how much time it's going to take you to recover and build that into the formula so that you're not <laughs> running on a half a battery. Yeah, and, and, and being much less effective than you could otherwise be. I mean, uh, you know, just knowing that, um, that gives me the chance to explain to someone who's an extrovert, for example, I can say, look, I'm giving this talk on Saturday, and I'm going to need two more days before I can recover, because my experience is there's so many other obstacles, because I have to generate the energy in so many different areas, in, in terms of my emotional energy, my physical energy, my... Um, uh, intellectual energy, all that stuff has to get regenerated before I can actually have intimacy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another key point is that whoever you're involved with needs to understand how you operate so that they can not push against you, mm-hmm. but to support you because it really is out of integrity for you to try to do something that you're not comfortable doing or mm-hmm. that you don't have the energy to do. Or that's ultimately harmful. Yeah. In some ways. Yeah. 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 So the extrovert needs to be able to understand that and say, like my wife, you got it. I'll talk to you in a day and a half. You need anything from me? No. So what I do in a day and a half is I go play extrovert because she's not going anywhere, so I can go. Right. And that's like, okay, this works for both of us. And the extrovert needs to be able to explain that I get my energy from being with people. I have to be out. I cannot be at home. And the only reason I come home is when I'm so tired, I can't do anything else. Hmm. Understanding that. Now you understand when you say, I'm not going, then I need to look at maybe not putting that burden on you to go everywhere I need to go and think that you have to like what I like and we're going to keep going until I'm finished. It's like I understand that there's a limit and I have to be able to honor that limit so we can both coexist. And you work out something that works for both of you. So the relationship is not your way versus my way. And opposites attract. So chances are you're going to get another extra. Think about this. General George Patton said, if we both think alike and we both act alike, one of us is not necessary. Mm-hmm. So two extroverts, man, can you imagine it just... <laughs> <laughs> There'd be a party all the time. A party all the time. And just stacks of empty Bacardi bottles like perpetually around the house. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that'd be just absolutely, you know, for yeah. somebody amazing. But to me, I'd be like, uh, okay. So, so, uh, so, so how then does an introvert and an extrovert, for example, approach intimacy? That's another topic, but let's say that intimacy for a introvert, and let's say a woman is introverted, intimacy is something that is uh, it's a challenge for extroverts to understand the functionality and drive and reason and logic for an introvert because intimacy is really into me, I see, and I see introverts as small closed circles and small closed circles provide intimacy. Mm-hmm. It's trust. 
is being able to feel that I can say whatever I need to say to this select group of people. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be a lot of people. You're not going to go on stage and go, oh, let me tell you about my sexual issues. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a very small group of people. For an introvert, that's intimacy. And for an extrovert to learn that gives them the opportunity to realize that, you know, first of all, I don't talk about my partner's business, private business, and that there's also a level of trust Mm -hmm. and security. So for an introvert to feel intimate they're going to probably need a level of trust and certainty in order to feel secure enough to open up so that they can feel intimate and i don't think it's one of those combinations like oh i'm intimate it's it's a process and you have to earn the right for me to feel intimate and that even sexually when you think about it why would i want to have you know if you don't understand who i am as an introvert then why would i want to have sex with you mm-hmm because you're thinking about everything from what if I get pregnant and what if it's not any good and where are the lights and what is the temperature of the room and, you know, and like, okay, is it the bed or is it the sofa? Is it this? Is it that? And you're going through all these different thoughts. And all I want to do is get late, mm. you know, fast, quick, and, you know, boom, boom, quick, he works for me. An intimate person who is really focused on intimacy, a quickie would not be what they probably would enjoy because they're looking at the whole process that might mentally include wine and candles and feathers and, you know, plush bedding and, you know, temperature of the room is perfect at 68 degrees or 70 degrees, music in the background, candles burning, and the extrovert is like, all I want is a quickie. Mm-hmm. Because I got to go. I got to go. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go. I don't have time to sit. You mean to tell me it's going to take you an hour? The foreplay is more. Oh, my God. I got to go. But introvert intimacy mm-hmm. might be a process that's more than just five minutes. It might be a mental process like getting on the plane. You're mm-hmm. thinking about all that. Mm-hmm. Well, just think about it from the aspect of introvert, intimate, uh, 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 introvert thinking about intimacy that relates to sex and connecting with another person's soul, that's a process. That's, that's not just, okay, yes or no. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're thinking about it before they do it. Right. Where the extrovert does it and then thinks about it. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And um, I see you know, so much of my own personal history where things could have gone very differently in terms of positively you know if one or both of us had had this knowledge at the time mm-hmm. so i see how this is a profound um uh, uh, piece of knowledge mm-hmm. you know that goes a really long way to making relationships stronger uh to making them deeper uh and i think also to making them more respectful uh that's what i find that when people don't understand each other uh the respect level goes down because now the further they get away from basically getting what they want, the more they sort of intuitively dehumanize the other person or really invalidate the other person. And it seems that the Myers-Briggs system really is a great tool to help people validate themselves, number one, because a lot of people suffer from invalidating themselves uh, and then moving moving on, expanding that to, to validating their partners. Well, one of the things I was going to say earlier that I didn't really complete is that it really is almost a disservice for you not to understand who you are and mm-hmm. have an expectation that someone else is going to understand you. Wow, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I, I mean, know a lot I, of people. Why would you that. put why would you make that assumption or have this idea or expectation that you're going to understand me? Especially if you're an introvert who's private. Mm-hmm. It's like an in introverts typically, like I think you, you know, said earlier, 
have had more than one or two people walk up to them and say, well, I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't know anything about you. I know we talk, we work, and we've known each other for 25 years, but I really don't know anything about you. And introvert is going like, and the problem is? Mm-hmm. It's like, what makes you think, you because we work together, you're supposed to know all of, of my intimate secrets and you know my family it's and come to happen. the house and drink, and you're supposed to just be able to drive through the neighborhood, ring the doorbell, and come on in. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So for an extrovert to be able to explain who they are and what they need gives them clarity and freedom to be able to express themselves, and vice versa. The introvert needs to be able to explain who they are and what they need. So now we can sit down at the table, just like in group dynamics, just like in corporate America, and be able to say, oh, this is how you operate. You're one of 16 different types, and you just happen to have the preference for introversion. Oh, and what does that mean? And then have a conversation about, this is what makes me tick. Mm -hmm. This is what you probably can expect from me. Mm -hmm. Now that I know this, it's about consciousness, and I'm aware of this. I have to speak up for myself because not to do that is detrimental to you. Mm-hmm. And I have to be able to explain to my partner what goes on with me, and that might be a challenge, but now at least I can understand. So now that I understand, I can say, oh, I didn't know that me bringing five people over after work without telling you <laughs> would be a problem yeah. because I'm happy and they're happy. And I said, oh, come over to my house. I'm thinking that you'll be happy, and what's the big deal? The only f- I didn't invite the entire office. All I did was invite just five people. Oh, I forgot to call you, too. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? Right. So how do you engage uh, the Myers-Briggs principles, uh, the, the um, uh, questionnaire, into your practice? Uh, everyone that I work with, takes the Myers-Briggs 17-page version, Hmm. period. It's Mm -hmm. almost like, hi, my name is Melvin, take this. Mm -hmm. Because instead of me guessing, I would rather have you know who you are and know who I am so that we can have a a dialogue, coaching dialogue, where I can look, actually start looking a lot further. I can start, I can identify your blind spots once you've taken the Myers-Briggs and be able to talk about, oh, your challenge is detail. Mm being on time oh yes i understand okay you're you know being able to see the big picture or you know you have a historical perspective of seeing the world now that i can see these blind spots i can start to consider like you're probably not very effective in the area of uh detail so understanding that you can go yeah okay now we can work on detail but if you kind of looked at it, it's like i don't pay any attention to that that's a blind spot hmm. So taking that instrument is mandatory. And also when we do relationship training programs, Myers-Briggs. When we do couples work, Myers-Briggs. Because you need to be able to understand, again, yourself first before you can start to understand others. And once you see the differences between the personalities, it really changes uh, your ability to understand, understand, but also to accept the person who is different than you Mm -hmm. because we're always othering and differing from you know you're not like me but it's like and what does that do right because we're different so 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 in your practice you know i can imagine that major obstacles are cleared just by doing myers-briggs absolutely so what does that often look like for couples it looks like understanding that the person who is detailed Mm -hmm. may ask you 10 15 20 questions they may not be challenging your intelligence or your ability or your skills. It's just, I just need to have all of these answers so that I can be comfortable and knowing that I, I, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm questioning you, it's not about you. It's about trying to come up with the right answer 
and the right solution for both of us. Hmm. In order to do that, I need all of the information so I can really kind of like sort it out and figure out what's best. So it seems that the Myers-Briggs examination alone will cause a lot of healing and cause a lot of understanding in couples. What is, what is what does that look like with your with your clients in your practice? Typically opposites attract and typically you might have a feeler versus a thinker. A feeler is a person who has the characteristics and the preference for making decisions for the group, for people, for what works for everyone. And they basically are accommodating and they typically are acceptable and even maybe tenderhearted. The opposite of that is a thinker. And the thinker is a person who's very logical, ask questions, and, you know, based, make decisions based on reason. And sometimes they got to be tough because, you know, someone's got to make a decision and they'll make it. Mm-hmm. A feeler will make decisions based on what they feel. And the thinker, as I said earlier, will make decisions based on what they think. What this does is, you know, it sets up a relationship of conflict because you make decisions differently. Whereas you can also see this as a positive when you realize that if the thinker is asking you questions, you don't attack them and beat them down for why are you asking all these questions? You're trying to make me wrong or, you know, you ask me questions don't really matter because I don't I don't feel I don't care how it doesn't make me feel right. What's going on is that the person who's asking all the questions is looking for more information in order to make a, a, a reasonable decision. Mm-hmm. So they're questioning you, not because they don't like you, because they disrespect you or don't think you have the intelligence. They just want more data so that they can get all the data to make a decision for everyone so mm-hmm. that everybody's happy and they can make the best decision possible. Now, when they start looking like they're debating you and you take it as criticism, it's not really criticism because overall they're doing what's best for both of you. And going through this questioning process to come up with the best solution, whereas you consider it personal attacks and criticism and being heartless. But if you only have 10 people, you know, you have 10 people come in the emergency room, you have medicine for five and some of them look like they're not going to make it. Do you give everybody a half a dose of the medicine so that everybody can live? Or do you go to make a, a quick decision? It's like. I'm the, guessing I'm guessing the feeler would try to find a way to divide up the medicine and a thinker might parse it out in terms of who needs it the most you got it yeah and that's the difference because you know we had this exercise and uh, someone told me why would you waste your resources <laughs> on people who are going to die yeah and i'm going like i and am the not feelers god. freak out and they, they freak <laughs> out because why should i be the one that thinks i'm i'm god and I, you can't tell me this person's gonna yeah. die you help everybody you figure out a way to help everybody you know but there's only one doctor that means the nurses are gonna do it that means you know i can treat the doctor can tell me what to do i can do this the feeler wants to save everyone mm-hmm. the thinker is going we only have yeah. resources for five people yeah. and we got to figure out which five are going to make it and someone's got to make that decision don't let the feeler make that decision mm-hmm. so if you understand Do, each whoa, of, don't let the feeler make that decision well i mean if you let the this the, the feeler probably is going to save all of them mm-hmm. whereas the, 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 the thinker is probably looking at like i have enough resources to save five yeah i can't save all ten it, which five so so in my real life right um, this is exactly the type of scenarios that I've had to had to uh, d- to deal with, of trying to ask for more questions and having the the feeler that I'm speaking to, um, not only perceive that I'm attacking them, but 
respond emotionally. I mean, get really irate, get upset, yelling and screaming uh, because they're experiencing being attacked. Yes. Um, is there anything that you've been able to share with them that, in a sense, has them in some way better understand what the introvert is up to? Because I haven't been able to find that. Uh, well, you know, it, you know we, we, they're talking about two different facets. The introvert mm-hmm. versus the extrovert is one. But then there's the feel and oh, right, think yeah. of which I was referring to. Okay. And that's, they have a different function. That's how they, they use, just like the introvert and the extrovert, is the per, you know, they get their energy. How do they get their energy? Mm-hmm. You, know, what, you know, what drives them? Mm-hmm. Whereas the thinker and the feeler is a decision-making function where those functions are basically, how do I make decisions? Either mm. I'm doing it by thinking or I'm doing it by my feelings. Two different functions. But when you talk about being able to bridge the gaps between the two, mm-hmm. if you're talking about introvert, extrovert, as I said before, understanding who you are first mm-hmm. and then being able to understand the other person, then Got you're it. like, oh, beautiful. this is how you work. Beautiful. Now, and I was saying before, that we all need instruction manuals on mm-hmm. our partners mm-hmm. and we don't have one. They don't come with instruction manuals and if you're really lucky, you want a troubleshooting guy in the back. <laughs> well, oh, I got to go to the troubleshooting guy because this is not working. Okay, oh, oh, she said this. Oh, that means, oh, okay, interpretation. Got it. So, that's what we all need. The introvert extrovert is the one that really is the, typically the one that causes the most challenges, mm-hmm. but also the thinking and feeling function challenges, opposites attract. So the other function is the sensing function and the big picture intuitive function Got it. challenges. Mm-hmm. Now understanding who you are and understanding that your limitations gives you the ability to be able to say, now that I know how I work, I can see why this other person who is opposite of me, would probably irritate me, piss me off, and have me upset because mm-hmm. they keep asking me the same thing over and over again. And I keep telling them that I'm asking questions because I need more information before I decide if we're going to buy the house in this neighborhood or the one across town. Mm-hmm. So why do you like this house? And it's like, I just like the house. And then that doesn't go well. <laughs> no, You got to tell me something more than I just like the house. Well, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I was at home when I was 13 years old. That's still not giving me, you, you like it because it's 3,200 square feet and because of ceilings. You know how difficult it's going to be to clean these windows. We've got the house right. full of windows all the way around and the grass has got to be turned over completely completely because this grass is shot and they're going like i like it and you're going back and forth back and forth and they feel you are attacking them and their logic and reason for why they like it and they can't mm-hmm. like it they just can't like it right they have to have a reason yes fascinating and it sounds like a massive topic for another podcast absolutely addressing the thinker and the feeler Absolutely. So bravo. So Dr. Melvin, thank you so much for, for joining us today for another stimulating conversation. I'm, I'm really looking forward to people's feedback and comments on this in terms of their own experiences. So um, there will be a space to leave their comments and uh, when they get to hear this. And I look forward to uh, seeing what those are. And I look forward to uh, speaking with you again real soon. Beautiful. Thank you.